You know what was the best? Back in school, when your teacher rolled up to the classroom with that AV cart, with that big chunky TV, the oldest VCR you'd ever seen, and a tangle of cords. And in that moment, you knew. Hell yeah! It's a freaking movie day. Someone would sprint to turn the lights off, that TV would flash blue, and your feature presentation would begin. The movie would be vaguely related to the subject of the class. Shout out to my Latin teacher who let us watch the Lizzie McGuire movie because it takes place in Rome. I'm going to the place I've been dreaming about my whole life. The greatest city on earth. La città eterna. Rome, the eternal city. Did no one read the info packet? And in history class, I remember watching some pretty memorable stuff. Spartacus was one. Though what I remember most from that is Kirk Douglas's chin dimple. I'm Spartacus! Now listen, these may not have been the most historically rigorous movies of all time, but they brought these stories to life and created images that stuck. What we do here on this show, in some ways, we're trying to do a similar thing. Retelling these moments from history through stories that stay with you. Building soundscapes that put you right in the action. And it made me curious about how these movie makers approach their work. How they think about bringing these stories to life. What choices they make. And as an actor, how do you embody these larger-than-life historical figures? So for today's episode, we're inviting an actor to jump off screen and join us on the podcast to hear all about when Hollywood and history collide. From Gimlet Media, this is Not Past It, a show about the stories we can't quite leave behind. Every episode, we take a moment from that very same week in history and tell you the story of how it shaped our world. I'm Simone Polanin. And guess what? This is our 100th episode. Can you believe it? And for the big 100, we called up actress and activist Corianka Kilcher. She's portrayed a bunch of people from history, like Pocahontas, Hawaii's Princess Kaiulani, and activist Lenata Means, just to name a few. How do you prepare to play a real-life person when the record of their life is pretty slim? And how does portraying moments from history change your relationship to it? Corianka will answer that and more after the break. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Are you looking for a view of the world that's a bit different? 
Hi, I'm Jason Palmer, a host of The Weekend Intelligence, a podcast from The Economist. Join us to hear the stories that matter most to our correspondents and editors. Every Saturday, we introduce you to people and ideas that take you outside the ordinary and expand your horizons one episode at a time. Join us and see the world from a new perspective. To listen free until May 31st, search Spotify for The Weekend Intelligence. Hello. Hello. It's nice to meet you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be a part of you guys' show. <laughs> yeah, very happy to have you. Um, so I'm- Today, I'm joined by actress and activist Corianka Kilcher. She starred in movies based on real stories from history, like The New World, Princess Kaiulani, and Teata. Or more recently, you may have seen her on the hit drama Yellowstone as Angela Blue Thunder who comes in to protect the land of her community from development. It's only a crime by their laws, by our laws, which have outlasted an ice age. It is duty to protect our land and preserve our way of life. Corianka grew up in Hawaii in the early 90s. Her father is of indigenous background from Peru, and her mom is Swiss and German. Corianka was creative from a young age. She acted, she sang, she danced ballet and hula. And when she was nine, her family moved to Santa Monica, where she became locally known for busking on the Third Street Promenade. But Corianka didn't just live near Hollywood. Ever since she could remember, she also had Hollywood dreams. When I was five or six, I was interviewed, and uh, they asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up and like what roles would you want to play? And the two roles that I said was Pocahontas and Princess Kailani. Wow. Which is really, really crazy because all those years later, I was, you know, blessed and honored enough to be able to portray both of those extraordinary young women. Yeah. That is, I mean, (laughs) was meant to be, clearly. In 2004, Corianka was just 14 when she was cast in her first major film role as Pocahontas in The New World. The movie tells the story of English colonizers crashing onto the shores of Powhatan land, what is present-day Virginia, and how it triggers a series of events that changes Pocahontas's life forever. As the daughter of the chief of the Powhatan Empire, she helps the Jamestown settlers communicate with her tribe. But tensions between the two conflicting worlds escalate. And despite Pocahontas' attempts at diplomacy, a war breaks out. It is at times a love story, at times a harsh look at colonial life and the destruction it caused. The film also stars Colin Farrell as John Smith, Pocahontas' love interest, and other big-name actors like Christian Bale, Christopher Plummer, and it was written and directed by Terrence Malick. For all you little film freaks, yes, I'm talking about that Terrence Malick, director of Badlands and the Oscar-nominated films The Thin Red Line and The Tree of Life. Starring in this movie with this director at just 14, that was a big deal. Well, it was a whole thing also when I got that role. So they, I guess, had done a nine-month worldwide search for Pocahontas. I had just turned 14, and they were like, no, 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 she's too young. 
because they were looking for somebody 18 or older to play down. And I was like, gosh, darn it. You know, because growing up, I'm, I'm half indigenous and I'm half Swiss and Alaskan. And it's always been tricky because people haven't quite known where to place me in the industry at times because I have an exotic look and I'm never white enough and I'm never native enough. And I remember I was thinking, oh, shucks. I really wish that I could have gotten this amazing, you know, movie and played Pocahontas. And I'm walking across the street and I get a call from the producer and she's like, you got it. And I was like, what? And I was like in like the middle of like Beverly Hills and I was jumping up and down. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my gosh. And um, (laughs) (laughs) I was so happy and I was just so blown away. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty incredible. I mean, you know, Pocahontas, that's like one of the first, if if not the only indigenous person we learn about as children. Um, I'm curious, do you remember how you first learned about her story? Well, <laughs> when I was little, I, I as we all watched, we all watched the cartoon Pocahontas. The cartoon, I'm, I'm imagining you mean the Disney cartoon, the movie musical? Yeah, yeah. If you kill him, you'll have to kill me too. Daughter, stand back. I won't! Yeah, I I mean, that's the thing. I would think that's probably like a lot of people's introduction to her story. In retrospect, when I, you know, I watch it now, I like, I've watched it and, you know, I actually know what the songs are saying. Because when you're little, you're just like, savage, savage. Like, oh, you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. They got him! Who got him? The savages! Savages? They captured him, dragged him off! Where'd they take him? You, you don't really know what you're singing, and you don't really know what you're saying, and you don't know what it actually, like, really truly means. Yeah. So I'm curious then, when you were offered the role, like, when you mm-hmm. got the script for the first time, how did the script differ from what you had come to the project knowing about Pocahontas? That was a very interesting process for me because there's nothing really set in stone because everyone writing about her today or in the last 50 years or whatever, they weren't there. People tend to put their perspective and their interpretation on how they're perceiving or thinking about something. And, you know, I was just trying to read all of these different versions of what people were thinking historically happened back in that day, like really happened. And then I had to sit down and take it all in and then also reread the script and kind of, put together who I thought she was. And for me, I believed that she was a young visionary far ahead of her time. And she was trying to be a bridge between her world and the new world. You know, you you mentioned that there's only so much that we truly know about Pocahontas and and you mm-hmm. mentioned how you had to fill in some of those gaps for yourself to, to really bring her to life. Um, I'm curious, how did the film's director, Terrence Malick, how did he fill in those gaps? Aw, Terry, he's the best. 
He was so wonderful. You know, the pre-production of The New World was so amazing because, you know, Terry really went out of his way to really do the research and to really involve the Algonquian community in Virginia as well. And to hire all of the right people for it. You know, I worked with an amazing dialect coach and he actually, together with the tribe, recreated the Algonquian language for the new world. You know, I remember I would go and see them like building all of these sets and just like, it was absolutely amazing. And yeah, I mean, the film is so stunning to look at. It's like, it's so incredible. I watched The New World recently, and it's really visually striking. The cinematography is beautiful, the production design is fully realized, and the story itself almost feels like a long, run-on sentence. Even as years are passing, the scenes almost bleed together. Come, spirit. Help us sing the story of Anand. You are a mother. We, your field of corn. I still, to this day, I look back on my experience of the new world and working with Terry. Um, He worked with all his actors in such a beautiful way. I remember in the morning sometimes Terry would come into the hair and makeup trailer and he would give me like six pages of like uh, some brand new stuff that he just wrote the night before. And it was like huge, huge paragraphs and chunks of dialogue. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was like, we're going to shoot this first. (laughs) And so I would be sitting there and I'd be like, oh my God, learning my lines as I'm going through hair and makeup. And I would get to set and I was so proud of myself because I learned it all. And then we do one take of, you know, all the dialogue. And then he'd be like, good, good. Now, uh, Koryanka, I want you to, uh, to do the whole scene, but I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to say it through your eyes. And, you know, as a young 14-year-old, I'm kind of looking at him and I'm like, yeah, sure, dude. In my mind, I'm like, um, okay. You know, and then we do it. And that's what ended up in the film a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Man, acting through your eyes. I'm mm-hmm. like, that should be a class or something. <laughs> Mother. You are my strength. Oh, I have none. I recently watched it actually um, at this little theater in Santa Monica. And I kind of bawled my eyes out because I was just like, oh my God, I, I understand this story so differently now, being a grown woman. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what changed for you? So Terry made possibly five different versions of the film. And so the script was almost like a guideline. So the version that everyone has seen now is one version, but it also wasn't really the script that I actually read. For example, um, there's this scene 
where Pocahontas, after everything she's gone through and her father's banished her, like, she's lost everything now. And she's walking in the grass and she goes to John Smith. And in the script, she was actually hiding a knife behind her back. And she goes to stab him. And for me, I was like, that's so strong and beautiful because it shows that she's willing to stab her own heart, basically, at this point. But how Terry ended up cutting it, because we also did a different version, she reaches out her hand to him. And so when I was younger, for me, I was very enraged because I was like, why would he make her come across so weak? And like, da 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 But now that I'm older, I actually saw it in a different way. And I was like, oh, to forgive and to have compassion is so much more greater and stronger. The New World went on to be nominated for an Oscar and Koryanka for a Critics' Choice Award. She also took home the Alma Award for Best Latin American Actress in a Feature Film and won the National Board of Review's Best Breakthrough Performance. Coming up, Koryanka talks about bringing to life a story we've told on this very podcast and how she saw past and present collide in her own life. More with Koryanka just around the river bend. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with actress Corianka Kilcher about the roles of indigenous women from history she's played on the big screen. Before the break, we learned about her critically acclaimed role as Pocahontas in The New World. A few years later, at the age of 18, she was already filming her next big dream role, Princess Kaiulani. You may not have heard of Princess Kaiulani. She never got the Disney treatment. But if you listened to our episode, The Last Queen of Hawaii, you're familiar with her family. After the unexpected death of Hawaii's King Kalakoa in January of 1891, the king's sister, Liliuokalani, steps in to become the first queen of Hawaii. The film Koryanka stars in picks up the story when the queen's niece, Princess Kaiulani, is named heir to the Hawaiian kingdom. Do you think that you mean more to me than my country? Do you? To prepare for her royal duty, Princess Kaiulani is sent off to boarding school in Britain to complete her education. But back home, brewing political turmoil puts her country's sovereignty at risk. Princess Kaiulani faces racism and personal tragedy, but through it all, she remains a voice for the Hawaiian people. Koryanka herself had spent her earliest years growing up in Hawaii, so when she was offered the role, she was excited to bring the story to the screen. When you are working on a movie that touches on 
lesser known history, like I think you could argue that um, the annexation of Hawaii is like not super uh, broadly known, Mm -hmm, unfortunately. mm -hmm. Um, Does it feel like there's an added responsibility in telling that story? Does it feel like an opportunity? How do you think about it? Oh, I definitely feel it is uh, a, a very big responsibility. And, you know, it's another one of those parts in our history that America likes to shove under the rug and pretend like it never happened. And um, it was really interesting to learn more about that. And, you know, I was talking to my aunties in Hawaii and just trying to gather as much information so I could help be an instrument of bringing her image to life in this film and do it in the right way. You know, with Princess Katyalani, I got to actually read some of her letters, her personal letters that she wrote. And to like be able to do that was such a blessing because oftentimes when you are portraying, you know, historical figures, you don't have those types of things. 70 years ago, Christian America sent men and women to give religion to Hawaii. Today, Three sons of those missionaries are appealing to your capital to undo their father's work. In doing the movie, for me, it wasn't just doing the film, but it was also an activist piece of trying to share with the world, like, yes, this is a beautiful place and so many people from around the world love to come and vacation in this paradise place, but there are, you know, the Kanaka people, the indigenous people of Hawaii that still live there, who are, you know, to this day still struggling with their land being taken away from them. Because the role was an opportunity of a lifetime, Korianka felt protective over the story and its potential impact on audiences. You know, they wanted to originally call the film Barbarian Princess. Oh, really? And it did not sit right with me. And, you know, they were going off of actually a newspaper when Princess Katyalani went to New York for the first time and was met. They were like, Barbarian Princess arriving to the lands and things like that. And, you know, I was talking with the director and, you know, I I was in a really tough place because obviously, you know, it's my career and I can't condemn a film I'm in. But I also, as an activist, I can't stand for certain things. I know that this title is meant to be ironic, but it is not ironic if there are still Indigenous people to this day being called barbaric savages. Ultimately... The title of the film would be changed before it hit theaters. The film is now simply called Princess Kaiulani. For Koryanka, this instinct to speak up was about so much more than the title of a film. She saw it as an extension of her activism work, which she had been doing since she was a kid. Her mom used to take her and her brother to demonstrations when they were young. She's also started her own organizations to protest environmental injustices. And after the film Princess Kaiulani came out, Koryanka was back on the picket lines. I got arrested actually because I chained myself to the White House fence protesting 
the meeting between the president at the time, President Obama, and President Alan Garcia of Peru. She was protesting this meeting because the year prior, in 2009, President Garcia used force on peaceful indigenous demonstrators in Peru. Those demonstrators were rallying against the exploitation of Amazonian land for resources, like oil and gas. President Garcia sent in security forces who attacked the protesters. More than 30 people were killed, and at least 200 injured. I'm half Quechua and Huachipaire from the jungles and highlands of South America, and I'm so proud to be indigenous. That particular president, Alan Garcia at the time, he called his indigenous people like second and third class citizens, barbaric savages that stand in the way of progress. Wow. This is not just, you know, a dark chapter in our history books, like these things continue to happen today to especially indigenous people, because there's roughly around 360 million indigenous people in the world. And they live on some of the last pristine places on earth. And they're kind of like the protectors of the land for future generations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting to hear this instance of your acting and your activism colliding and I'm just wondering, do you see those two things as connected? Yeah, I actually got into acting because my main passion is human rights and environmental activism. And I figured that like, wow, as a storyteller, you're able to bring to life these stories and not only reach people and connect with people you know, in your community, but you can connect to people on a global level. And to have a platform like that is so powerful and and so special. And um, also a very big responsibility. You know, every role I take on as an actor, you have to live it and inhabit that role for a while. And I've always found it so rewarding because to be able to walk in somebody else's shoes for a month or five months or six months, however long it is, and to be able to see things from their perspective, hopefully when you come out of it, it makes you more of a compassionate, understanding, and kind human being. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, Looking forward, um, I'm wondering, are there any figures from history that you would hope to play or any stories from history that you'd hope to be a part of? Yeah. I actually, a couple of years ago, found out about another amazing Native artist, Maria Tallchief. She was one of the first Native prima ballerinas, and her life story is quite amazing. And another amazing woman that I would just... Oh, my God, it would be such a dream to portray. And she's still alive, which is amazing, is Buffy St. Marie. She's like a badass rock star. She's native. Just so cool. Love her style. Um, And uh, she just seems like, wow, she probably has one heck of a story. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd watch both of those movies. That sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. 
That was our conversation with actress and activist Corianka Kilcher. I gotta say, before I talked with her, I was expecting a classic actor conversation around intensive prep and living deep inside the character and all that. What I didn't expect was activism being a form of preparation, or how playing a character could be its own form of activism. The power of bringing history to life on screen was about so much more than the performance. It was also about how that story connected to the real world, about who she was speaking to and who she was speaking for. Thank you so much, Koryanka. It's been really a pleasure to talk to you. Of course. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you as well. It is a Spotify original produced by Gimlet and ZSP Media. This episode was produced by Nick Del Rose. Next week, lace up your sneakers and get ready to hoop with the WNBA. I was so nervous. I was so nervous just because, I mean, you're looking at 18,000 fans. But once the ball tipped up, I was ready to go. The rest of our team are producers Olivia Briley and Ramoy Phillip. Our associate producer is Laura Newcomb. Our production assistant is Jasper Jarecki. The supervising producer is Erica Morrison. Editing by Erica Morrison. Andrea B. Scott is our executive editor. Fact-checking by Ian Michael. Sound design and mixing by Emma Munger. Original music by Sax Kicks Ave, Willie Green, Jay Bless, and Bobby Lord. Our theme song is Toko Liana by Coco Co. With music supervision by Liz Fulton, technical direction by Zach Schmidt, show art by Elise Harvin and Talia Rockman. The executive producer at CSP Media is Zach Stewart-Pontier. The executive producer from Gimlet is Matt Schiltz. Star Kalahiki sang that rendition of Aloha Oi. Special thanks to Lydia Polgreen, Abby Ruzika, Dan Behar, Jen Han, Emily Wiedemann, and Liz Stiles. Follow Not Past It Now to listen for free, exclusively on Spotify. Click the bell next to the follow button to get notifications for new episodes. Check out our new comment feature in the Spotify app. And while you're there, hey, why don't you rate us five stars? You can follow me on Twitter at Simone Polanin. Thanks for hanging. We'll see you next week. I do like to look at history because it's like, guys, We're not reinventing the wheel here. Like these things have happened already. So why aren't we learning from history? 